This is Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. Call the show now at 760-480-8477. Email us at officehours at wscal.edu. Now, Scott Clark. Thanks, Dewey. This is a special edition of Office Hours. Joining me in studio today is Professor Joel Kim, who teaches New Testament here at Westminster Seminary, California. I'm Scott Clark. I teach church history and historical theology, and we're discussing a new book just out this week, Always Reformed, Essays in Honor of W. Robert Godfrey, published by Westminster Seminary, California, and available through the bookstore at Westminster Seminary, California at wscal.edu. E-D-U. Hi, Joel, and welcome back to Office Hours. Thanks for having me, Scott. Well, we have this brand new book out, just out this week, uh, which uh, you and I have edited, Always Reformed Essays in Honor of W. Robert Godfrey. And uh, it's had some nice words said about it by Carl Truman, who says, through his teaching at and leadership of Westminster Seminary, California, Robert Godfrey has had a significant impact on both the confessional Reformed churches at large and upon the lives and ministries of many pastors and leaders. He goes on to say, these essays by an esteemed group of friends and colleagues are a fitting tribute to his life's work and indeed a helpful resource on the history, theology, and practice of the faith, which he himself has done so much to promote. There's also a nice blurb on the back here from Joel Beakey from uh, Grand Rapids a Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary, in which uh, he commends the volume, and he says that Scott Clark and Joel Kim, together with the prestigious Reformed authors of this unusually insightful and provocative fest shrift, we'll talk about what that means in a moment, have done a marvelous job in showcasing this vision from a variety of angles. Bob is eminently worthy of this page-turning fest shrift. Well, Joel, first of all, what is a festschrift, and why did you and I spend most of the last two years working on this? Well, Scott, a festschrift is a collection or a volume of essays and articles put together by colleagues and friends to honor a, a certain individual on a festive occasion, whether it be uh, some kind of anniversary, birthday, or retirement. And in this particular case, for Bob's birthday, uh, we were able to put this volume together as a gift to him for his years of service to to the church and to the seminary. Why would anyone be interested in this volume? Uh, who's in it? What sorts of topics are covered? Uh, I still remember, I think, the time when we sat down and tried to th- figure out the kind of volume we wanted this to be. And the three chief areas that we thought about were the three areas where Bob made contributions, both in writing as well as participation within the church and in the academia. So the first group of essays, we try to collect essays that dealt with Bob's primary area of study, which is history. And uh, these contributors give us perspective on certain historical issues uh, within the church. The second collection of essays deal with theology. Bob is uh, someone who's not unknown to theological discussions, and his interest in theology is well known. And so these theological writings focus on certain elements of the church and the seminary uh, that deal with certain theological issues. And finally, um, Bob has always been engaged in the church, and our seminary exists for the church. And to that end, we have a certain group of essays that deal with issues rising from the church. These essays not only reflect the interests and, and hopefully the area of study for Bob, we hope that those who read them will find them beneficial for their own growth and learning as well. Bob is our colleague and our friend. I've known him since I was a student in 1984, and he's been a prof here at Westminster Seminary, California since 1980. 
Before that, he taught at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia from 1974 to 1980. For the listener who may not be familiar with Bob's life and work, he earned his bachelor's degree at Stanford University, did a Master of Divinity at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and then did his Ph.D. at Stanford in Church History or Historical Theology on the Synod of Dort. Do you remember the first time you met him, and do you have some recollections of impressions that he left for you? I don't remember precisely when I met Bob, but what I do remember from being a seminary student here in 1984 is that Bob was the first faculty member whom I actually really met and got to know. And I can say that Bob was the reason that I stayed. When I first got here, I actually didn't know precisely why I was here. I knew I wanted to study theology, but I was planning on heading to do doctoral work in classics. And I wasn't a theological student, really, and I wasn't particularly headed for pastoral ministry. And when I first got here, it wasn't quite what I expected, frankly. So I went to Bob's office. I'm not even sure why, but uh, maybe because he was the only one in the office at the time, or maybe because I had him for uh, ancient church in the first semester. I don't know. Uh, I think we had talked in class and and out of class a little bit and, and found some things in common. And what I remember about Bob And what so impressed me was his absolute honesty and forthrightness. He didn't try to tell me that things were different than they were, but he did give me some things to think about, and he helped me uh, think through the the issue of, of vocation and education. The other thing that I remember from my early exposure to Bob was the way he opened up areas of study, vistas, ideas, texts, questions that I hadn't thought about. And he did so in a, in a delightful way, really. I loved history and had, by that point, read a fair bit of history. And I'd had some good history profs in university. But Bob made studying the, the history of the church and made learning the tradition of the church such a delight that I really wanted to do more of it. And when I left pastoral ministry to go into uh, academic work, I'm sure it was the influence that Bob had on me that made me want to go and and do uh, church history and historical theology. Yeah, I, I actually have a more specific recollection, I guess, because I met him before I came to seminary. I remember as a, a student at a large state school in California called UCLA, uh, we used to belong to a small group where various speakers would come by and speak. Uh, on this particular occasion, Bob came up from uh, Escondido, which is about a two-plus hours of driving. And I don't know exact timing very well, but I think this is when he just became president of the seminary around 1993 or four. And he came up and he spoke on baptism, uh, infant baptism in particular, And uh, to a large group of college students, he delivered this lecture that was very well received and made quite an impression on a young man that is now here uh, contributing to this volume as well. And so uh, for me, uh, he's been always a model for a scholar and a pastor and a speaker in terms of a person who is very passionate about teaching uh, theology and history uh, to various individuals who are preparing for ministry. And I've seen that throughout our studies here as well. You're listening to Office Hours. I'm Scott Clark. And Joel Kim and I are discussing a brand new volume, Always Reformed, Essays in Honor of W. Robert Godfrey. And if you're interested in the work, writing of Bob Godfrey, you'll want to uh, get a hold of this volume. And you can get it through the bookstore at Westminster Seminary. 
California, W-S-C-A-L dot E-D-U. Joel, you and I did this book because we're friends with Bob, because we have admired his work, uh, not only his academic work, but uh, his work as a, a theologian. He introduced both of us to, in many ways, classic Reformed theology, but also Reformed church life. And so this uh, volume is in three parts, a collection of historical essays, a collection of theological essays, and a collection of ecclesiastical essays. And we should say that this volume is also a collection of essays by a lot of other friends of Bob. It contains an essay by Sinclair Ferguson on John Calvin's doctrine of Christ and his doctrine of the Holy Spirit, an essay by Daryl Hart, D.G. Hart, Make War No More, The Rise and Fall and Resurrection of J. Gresham Machen's Warrior Children, an essay by Richard Muller on the doctrine of the divine decree in the 17th century, My essay is on Amy Semple McPherson. We'll come back and talk about that in honor of Bob. And an essay by one of our recent graduates and one of our colleagues now, Ryan Glomsrud, on Karl Barth and modern Protestantism, the radical impulse. As we look at this collection of historical essays in the first part of the volume, what is it that ties these all together besides Bob's interest in these questions? Scott, you know what I like about these essays that you just mentioned in terms of the titles and the authors is it's very reflective of the generalist nature of Bob. I don't mean to be offensive by that statement at all. That is, Bob has a, a interest in all periods of historical development, not just the area of expertise that he has, which is the Synod of Dord. So here we see an essay that deals with the 17th century, written by someone who is considered an authority in that period, Richard Muller, which is quite reflective of not only the initial work of Bob, but his continuing interest in that period, as well as Bob's interest in John Calvin, uh, someone that in our circles, uh, someone who uh, receives a lot of attention and where Bob has made his own contributions as well. But some of the other essays deal with uh, some whimsical element of Bob's interest, of Amy Semple McPherson. If you're a student at Westminster Seminary, you cannot graduate from the school without knowing that Bob has an interest in the sister. Next to John Calvin, probably, he talks about Semple McPherson more than any other individuals. And so here is that reflected in the essays, as well as ecclesiastical history, as well as Karl Barth. All these things coming through in the courses that we took here, where he was asking probing questions, maybe not all the answers, but probing questions in different periods of church history that allow students like us to think and reflect and and grow in those areas. I mean, what did you think about writing about Amy Semple McPherson, which is kind of outside your own uh, comfort zone? Well, it is. I have an interest in American church history and what happened Uh, particularly to the Reformed uh, theology, piety, and practice in the 20th century, 19th and 20th centuries. So I I was excited to to do this work, but it was a little bit of a a challenge. Sister is a fascinating figure, and after I did this essay, I understood and sympathized more fully, I think, with why Bob has been so interested. On the surface, it wouldn't seem like a field or a question that would attract Bob's attention, a leading early 20th century evangelist and pioneer female preacher. What is it that would attract Bob's attention? Well, she was a massively 
important figure in the early part of the 20th century. Around here, we tend to talk a lot about Machen, and we talk a lot about Calvin, and sometimes we talk about 17th century Orthodox giants like John Owen and others. But the reason I think Bob was and has been so interested in Sister is that she was so massively influential. She really symbolizes what became of American religion in the early part of the 20th century. When Amy was thought to have drowned, tens of thousands of people came out to mourn her passing. And of course, she came back out of the desert and and, uh, she hadn't drowned at all. And she filled her church building, Angeles Temple in Los Angeles, every time she was there. And she filled it when she wasn't there. She traveled over all over the United States, all over North America, all over the globe. She, in many ways, set the pattern for what became contemporary, modern American evangelicalism. She boiled the faith down to some very simple propositions. She focused heavily on religious experience. She didn't really engage the great theological questions or the great questions even necessarily as people were wrestling with them at the time on the reliability of Scripture. She was very dismissive of critics of the Bible. And at the same time, she was gathering crowds of tens of thousands of people and and over the course of her life, you know, preached to millions and millions of people. Uh, Reformed people were meeting in small meeting places and and, uh, laboring away over these sometimes obscure and arcane and difficult questions of biblical theology and exegesis. So I understand now why, uh, why Amy has been such a fascination for Bob. And so that's why this essay is in the volume. And I hope the reader will benefit. It's an entertaining story. It's an exciting story. But I think it also says a lot about the nature of American religion. As we seek to try to communicate the Christian faith as we understand it. It is. This may be a very sad personal story for me to uh, recollect. But having graduated from here and having heard about Amy Semple McPherson so much, about whom I have no personal interest in— uh, very much. But I remember Sharon and I, my wife and I, uh, lived in Glendale at one point in time, which is north of L.A., and having heard that Amy Semple McPherson uh, was buried in Glendale Forest Lawn, we actually took a day and went to Forest Lawn and visited her gravesite for no other reason than just to see this person's gravesite. Sort of in honor of Bob. Yeah, I, I guess so, because I, I, I see no other reason why I should have gone, but I spent half the day going, checking her gravesite out, coming back and saying, I've been there. And for some reason, that meant quite a bit to me. My wife couldn't understand, but the point is, <laughs> at least uh, at least that was my little homage uh, overall. Well, it's it's catching. And, and the same is true, I think, with a lot of the essays in the first a uh, third of this volume, these historical essays, Daryl Hart's essay on Machen and what happened to Machen's legacy. And Daryl goes through the history of American Presbyterianism in the 20th century, and he, and he really asks, you know, Machen was known as Mr. Valiant for Truth. That's how he was described by one of his earliest biographers, Ned B. Stonehouse. And yet, for at least part of the 20th century, there was a a movement within Reformed churches to sort of downplay that aspect of what it was 
to be reformed. So Daryl explores that. And of course, Bob has been involved in a number of controversies, some of them ecclesiastical, some of them theological. He was involved in the Shepherd controversy from 74 to 81 at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. He was involved in the controversy over the ordination of women in the Christian Reformed Church, uh, ultimately helping to lead uh, a breakaway like Machen from the Christian Reformed Church over the question of the authority of Scripture at the end of the day. And then, of course, there's an essay in here by Sinclair Ferguson on Calvin, uh, on whom Bob has written considerably. And uh, we think that essay will interest folks as well. And then finally, the essay on Bard and radical Protestantism. Well, when we come back, let's talk about the second section of this volume. That is the section containing Mike Horton's essay on that difficult slogan, Reformed and Always Reforming, and David Mandrunen and uh, your essay and John Meathers. And we'll do that when we come back right after this. In the 17th century, John Bunyan gave us the character Mr. Valiant for Truth. In the 20th century, God gave us another Mr. Valiant for Truth, J. Gresham Machen, the founder of Westminster Seminary. The spirit of Machen lives on at Westminster Seminary, California, where for 30 years we've been fulfilling his vision of preparing men for ministry and teaching them to be expert in the Bible. WSCAL.edu, 888 480 8474 Westminster Seminary, California for Christ, His Gospel and His Church. So Joel, the second section of this book contains a series of theological issues. How do these essays, these theological essays touch on Bob's theological interests? Well, it it has certain whimsical end as it did with the first section with Amy Semple and McPherson. We have an essay on John Updike by John Meather Updike, who has been a personal fascination for Bob for a long, long time, and the uh, the religion found in his own writings as well. So in that, I think that has a very personal contribution here that is reflective of Bob's interest. Others focus on elements of the author's interest and contributions, where David Van Drunen, who's been involved in the discussions of the two kingdoms for some time, now looks upon that, especially in terms of two individuals who are considered by many to be the fountainheads of such discussions, Calvin and Kuyper. My uh, small contribution deals with two interests of mine, which deals with Romans and Romans 7 in particular, as well as history of exegesis, where one thing we all of us come to recognize is that every interpreter stands on the shoulders of giants from our past. And in this case, I focus on four individuals from the Reformation period, a period of great interest to Bob, uh, and their own contributions to uh, interpreting Romans chapter 7. And my own personal favorite as someone who's been reading all the essays is Mike Horton's Reformed and Always Reforming, which has been a uh, kind of a model for uh, Protestant churches for a long, long time. And in fact, the volume's title uh, borrows from that phrase when we always say always reformed. It's intentionally past tense, indicating that Bob has been and is currently and hopefully will continue to be, Lord willing, someone who stands on the Reformation and the contributions of the Reformation. What Mike does is that he takes that phrase and discusses the history of it. Where did the phrase originate? And how is it often utilized and applied? And how should we understand that passage? Not everyone may agree with him and his conclusions, but as someone who's 
you know, who's heard the phrase being repeated so often, yet never heard the origins of it. I thought that was a fascinating piece describing that model that's been used so commonly. Exactly. How many times have you been involved in a discussion with someone? As a historian, and you and I both do history in different ways, uh, you're, you're working on the history of biblical exegesis, and then you teach New Testament, and I teach church history and historical theology here at the seminary. So one of my first moves in having a discussion about almost anything is to try to put that discussion in some historical context. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in a discussion with someone and I've said, well, traditionally the Reformed churches have confessed or something like that, only to have someone respond to me by saying, well, Reformed but always reforming, as if to say, well, that was then, this is now, we understand the Bible better, and which may be true, but it may not be true. And it's been implied, and sometimes it's been said plainly, that sola scriptura means that we really don't have to reckon with the past. And so I found Michael's essay particularly helpful. But all of these essays in this section, I think, are interesting. And I'm glad, too, you mentioned the title, because uh, we've been uh, thinking about this for so long, I, I didn't even think about the obvious fact that we titled this volume uh, deliberately provocatively by calling it Always Reformed. And that has a twofold meaning. Not only has Bob always been reformed, and not only has he pointed all of us who contributed to this volume in one way or another towards the Reformed faith in his own inimitable and charming way, but in his own biographical experience, he has always been Reformed, at least insofar as he's been a Christian. Many of us became Christians outside the Reformed faith and then became Reformed. But Bob is one of those, I won't say rare, but maybe somewhat unusual creatures who actually became a Christian through the ministry of a Reformed congregation and whose experience, Christian experience, has been entirely within the Reformed communion. And so he has a relationship, in a way, to the Reformed churches, the Reformed confession, the Reformed tradition, the Reformed understanding of Scripture, theology, piety, and practice that is somewhat unusual and, in fact, unusual among the faculty. You're listening to Office Hours. I'm Scott Clark, and we're talking with Joel Kim about the volume that he and I edited, Always Reformed, Essays in Honor of W. Robert Godfrey, available through the bookstore at Westminster Seminary, California, at wscal.com. E-D-U. Joel, the third section of this volume is Ecclesiastical Essays, and it contains essays by R.C. Sproul. This is a uh, published version of a talk he gave at commencement a few years ago, and if you haven't heard that or if you haven't read that, you definitely want to get this. It contains an essay by Kim Riddleberger on the administration of the Lord's Supper, an essay by Howell Jones on the preaching of the doctrine of regeneration in the Christian congregation, an essay by Cornelis Venema on the history of the United Reformed Churches, the federation of which Bob is a minister. And then finally, we're publishing Bob's inaugural lecture that he gave upon becoming president of Westminster Seminary, California, the whole counsel of God, courageous Calvinism for a new century. What kind of a churchman has Bob been? And why did we have, why did we include a section in this volume titled Ecclesiastical? Why do we have ecclesiastical essays in this volume? You know, it's hard for us to imagine Bob's contributions apart from his focus on and his attention to uh, the issues and the work of the church. He's always been a churchman, a faithful minister of the word, 
He's been not reluctant in engaging controversies if that's what uh, is needed within the church. Just on a self-reflection, having grown up in the Christian Reformed Church, where my father is still a minister, I remember as a young student coming to seminary, I was, as all all the students currently do, they're placed into small groups so that these small groups may have one faculty advisor with whom they would meet on a regular basis, once a week, that is. And I was placed with other students who were also from the Christian Reformed Church. And every Wednesday, we would get together to discuss elements of our studies, our own growth, as well as any issues that we might have that we can uh, dialogue about. And our advisor was Godfrey. And it was at the height of the controversy within the CRC regarding women's ordination. This is 95, 96, around that time period. And I still remember, even to this day, every Wednesday, us discussing what's going on in our own denomination and praying about it. I mean, every single time praying about it. Whatever people might have thought about Bob and his role in that controversy in the CRC, what I and other students saw was a different facet inside of where Bob was, which is his love for the denomination and the church was clear to us as students. And we learned to pray for and think about the welfare of our denomination and the church together in that time period. And I don't think that's just an isolated incident in Bob's life. He does love the church. He continues to contribute in the church, both local and as well as national. Yeah, the listener may not know that Bob's been teaching an adult catechism class, an adult Sunday school class in his local congregation here in Escondido since the mid-1980s. It began while I was a student in seminary. It started out as a very small group, and now if you want to attend Bob's uh, Sunday school class, you've got to get there pretty early or, or you won't have a seat. And, and that's as it should be. And some of the material that he's done in, in those classes is now making its way into print, and so other people will be able to benefit from that. And, and not only has he been a Sunday school teacher, but he's been a faithful preacher of the Word as well. And I don't know if you had this class when you were here, but uh, way back when, when I was here, Bob used to teach a section of one of the preaching classes. And I very much valued my primary preaching prof, Dirk Bergsma, whom we've interviewed for Office Hours, and and, uh, you'll hear that coming up this season. But I particularly appreciated Bob's course on preaching for its clarity. Bob, like Dr. Bergsma, was very strong, emphasized very strongly that the preaching of the text he really pushed us to preach the text. You know, R.B. Kuyper, as Dr. Bergs, we used to remind us, always said, you know, men preach the text, the whole text, and nothing but the text, so help you God. And he would say things like, there are three points to every sermon, the text, the text, the text. And so those are the kinds of things that we got from R.B. Kuyper via Dirk Bergsma. But Bob pointed us to the text in his own way. He gave us a very simple question to ask, and he gave us a a way of analyzing texts, and he was particularly concerned not just to get the, the exegesis right, as Dirk was, but he was also particularly concerned that we would be able to stand in the pulpit and not do a Bible study, but to explain and proclaim, announce and preach the text of the Word of God in a winsome, attractive, clear and compelling way. And he modeled that for us. I remember a few sermons from my days as a seminary student, and one of them is a sermon that Bob preached from Psalm 2, Kiss the Son, Lest He Be Angry. I probably heard that sermon sometime in 1984 or 85, and I still remember 
uh, some of the points. And what I remember is the passion with which he stood in the pulpit and preached the text and called us to repentance for our sins and faith in the Son whom we need to kiss, that is, whom we need to trust and, and to whom we need to submit. Uh, it was a compelling sermon, and it, as they say, left a mark. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that at all. I mean, he's he's not only a very accomplished preacher. I, what, as you think about his own preaching, one thing that I remember about his preaching is how often how simple and clear they are. And again, I don't mean that to be offensive at all. In fact, I think that's a wonderful quality to have. Several occasions I had the privilege of translating his sermons into Korean in a context where a lot of people who didn't know who he was. But it's one of those occasions where when you're translating something as it's being spoken, it's kind of difficult to follow at times. But with his sermons, I found them always to be quite easy, not because they lacked depth, but because it was very clear and the simplicity was very powerful. And I always thought that was one of his major strengths in terms of his preaching overall. All that to say here, I think both of us agreed that the church played such an important role in his life and his his work here at the seminary that it was appropriate for us to have a section on the church in reflecting on his contributions as well as his interests. This is Office Hours. I'm Scott Clark, and we're talking with Joel Kim about a volume that he and I edited, Always Reformed, Essays in Honor of W. Robert Godfrey. And you can get this volume through the bookstore at Westminster Seminary, California, WSCAL.edu. Well, we hope this has been interesting and edifying, and we certainly hope that you'll get a hold of a copy of this volume. It's inexpensively priced. It's a hardbound volume. Uh, We think it's handsomely bound. We tried to produce a volume of real quality, and we think that the essays, most of them, two of them may be accepted, are worth reading, and uh, it's not too early to buy a couple of extra volumes for Friends for Christmas. This is Office Hours. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now to Office Hours and iTunes. Find all the shows at wscal.edu slash officehours. Copyright 2010, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved.